Welcome to Geek Hard, right here on Reality Radio 101. And now, right to your geeks, Andrew Young and Mr. Green. Welcome, friends, to Geek Hard, where film is our friend. I'm your host, Andrew Young. With me, as always, is Mr. Green. Hey, howdy. Hey there. How's it going? Good. You? I'm doing all right. We're at TIFF right now. It is another TIFF episode. Geek Art at TIFF 2023. We're watching films, people. We've been doing it for a whole week. Our butts are in the seats. Oh, wait a second. That's a different show. Our butts are geeking hard. There we go. They're always hard. Yeah, Mr. Green, you seem to have the... uh the subdued lull of the tiff in you. You seem very calm, very like, I feel like any moment you could doze off right now. Uh, well, it's at that point of the festival where we're just kind of, you know, just struggling to get to those last few days, you know, I hear you. Uh, it's, I... uh, it's just, uh, there's been a lot. It's been a lot. Oh yeah. No, I spent all my money at all my euros. So now it's like, now I'm just going to films without eating. It's weird for me. Also very fair. You know, you just have to bring a meat stick with you. Bring it from home. There you go. We've got a great show for you tonight, folks. Later on in the program, you're going to hear my interview with James Michael Chang about his short film, Shen Shen Ali, which is actually his debut short film, and it got into TIFF. Like, this is... We've had a lot of like filmmakers on recently where it's like it's their debut either feature or their debut short film and they got into TIFF, which I think is amazing because as you know, like can um what's the one with uh, Robert Redford? Uh Sundance. Sundance, TIFF, Venice, these are all the big ones, you know? TIFF is one of the big ones. And so it's like it's very cool to hear about these directors that uh, getting their first their debut short film into into TIFF. As much as I know you love this statement, but TIFF really does kick off uh, the beginning of Oscar season, as they like to put it, which regardless of whether you follow that craziness or not, it does typically kick off that fall season, which brings us into more of the, uh, you know, the acting pieces, the the dramas and, you know, and those those bigger films, uh, meteor films by big. I mean, I don't mean by budget. I just mean like bigger meteor acting films. For a second, I thought you said meteor and I'm like, no, that was a long time ago. That was a long time ago. (laughs) We're not talking about that film. Meteor films. There was two that came out in the same year in 1998. But uh, uh, we've got a movie review coming away and it is not Armageddon or Deep Impact. The South African film Death of a Whistleblower premiered at TIFF this week. We're going to be giving our review of it. And then in mere moments, you're going to hear my interview probably so far, unless another one has happened that has topped it. My probably my favorite interview so far with directors at the festival. I'm talking with uh, young Even Diosa, who has a a film short film called Express that is playing at TIFF, and so we talk about that film and more. And it's all happening right here tonight. But right now we're going to take a commercial break. When we come back, we will be hearing my interview with Even Diosa, and. It's all happening right here at Geek Card Reality Radio 101.
everybody. Jimmy the Short Order Cook here, asking you, what's better than listening to Geek Heart? Answer, listen to Geek Heart while wearing a Geek Heart t-shirt. And there's a place you can get them at tpublic.com slash user slash Geek Heart. We got a bunch of great shirts there. We got Geek Heart shirts. We got a Mr. Green's Tasty Meat shirt. Hell, we got a Back Issue Bloodbath shirt. For all your geek needs with your geek merch, you want to go to tpublic.com slash user slash geek heart. I'm not just asking you. I'm telling you. Geek Hard right here on Reality Radio 101. And now, right back to your geeks, Andrew Young and Mr. Green. Welcome back to Geek Hard. Andrew Young and Mr. Green here. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's TIFF time, so we're at TIFF. And we get to talk to a bunch of cool people at TIFF. And I got a chance to speak with somebody, a young filmmaker, Yvonne Diasa. Probably my favorite interview thus far. Just this, this guy is... You know, he's a ball of energy. He's tons of fun. And he's got a film called Express, which is playing as part of the Shortcuts program here at TIFF. And uh, we're going to hear about it right now. This is my interview with Yvonne Diosa right here, Geek Art. Welcome to the program, Yvonne Diosa. Ah, thank you for having me, man. It's a pleasure. Well, thank you for coming on and talking with us, man. Of course, your short Express is debuting at TIFF. And uh, this is your first time at TIFF. Exciting moment for a filmmaker. How are you feeling right now? Uh, <laughs> I was still smiling, honestly. I think I, I heard the news like in like mid-July. And since then, bro, like every time I wake up, like I still have to pinch myself a little, you know? Like I run around my room a little bit. I thank God. Like it's honestly a dream come true. Seriously. For people who haven't heard about Express yet, what is the film about? Oh, yeah. So Express is a short film that I wrote and directed myself. It's a comment on the toxic side of hustle culture. Right. So it follows Tariq, who he just got the opportunity of a lifetime. And throughout the film, he neglects everything else. Right. Puts everything else beside for the sake of his job, for the sake of the opportunity. And he learns a valuable lesson in the end about just the process of that. Watching the film, it really hit home because, yeah, a lot of people, unfortunately, make that mistake earlier on in their careers where they think it's like, oh, I just got to keep moving forward and I got to keep doing everything I can kind of not thinking about what it's doing to themselves outside of mm. that, not having that connection with other people. Like, and I, it's funny cause it's like watching this. I thought about the amount of creatives I've known who've made that mistake early mm -hmm. on before mm -hmm. I used to do stand up comedy and oh, you could always tell the guys in the club that always just did like woke up, eat, breathe comedy was writing comedy all the time because they didn't have any personal stories. Mm -hmm. It's just like, oh, your stuff kind of sounds generic like everybody else because you have nothing going on. Mm -hmm. So for yourself as a young man, do you make sure that you have the time to experience life and experience others? <laughs> so I'll be very honest with you. I feel like this film was created because of my past experiences, right? Mm -hmm. um, I feel like the last three years, all I've done is really like just hustle and grind because yeah. I, I fell for the trap, the same trap that you're talking about where I'm yeah. like, I feel like a lot of people in my generation right now were obsessed with like early success, 
right? Because that's all we see everywhere on social media and everything. So I was one of those people that were like, you know what, shut yourself down now, um, work hard and you can live your life later. And it's like, and I'm perfectly, I was content or I am content with that. I feel like I am a hustler at heart. But at the same time, like I realized that, yo, like I was kind of missing out on the other things that make made life worth living, you know? And even as a creative, like you only create from from experience, you know what I mean? So it's like, it was just so funny that like the one thing that I wanted to do the most, I couldn't really do because I wasn't living, you know? I feel like this year specifically, I tried my hardest to like take the time to actually breathe a little. I'm still getting used to it. You know, yeah. it's, not, it's not, it doesn't come easy for me, but I'm trying my hardest to like take my own lessons. I'm doing better than I did last year and two years ago, for sure. For sure. That's, I actually traveled good. this year, you know, for once, like I, I went out, I went to like, like three, four different places. So it's good. Yeah. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, now, looking at some of your, your work, like, of course, this with Express and then looking at some of the past shorts you've done and music videos, I feel like human connection and the deep emotional feelings that we have and what we choose to show people and what we don't choose to show people, that seems like a running theme throughout your work. Is that something that, like, you are really interested in is, like, just bringing real emotions to the screen? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I feel like at a young age, um, my dad made sure that I knew that like, if you're going to create or do anything in general, like make sure you're talking about something, right? You should always be talking about something. And then one of my mentors, director X, like he said something very important was like a film or art should either do two things, either talk about the world or explain how to be in the world. So I feel like at a young age and just my surroundings, I was just taught to like always say something, you know, don't just make stuff for the sake of making, which you can, like, which is good. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not, you know, I'm not saying you can't do that, but like everyone's put on this life for a reason. And I feel like I want to help humanity like reflect and grow within themselves. I'm a strong believer in like, you can create the life that you want for yourself, right? So I feel like my films, the same way that I'm growing within myself, I make films about the lessons that I learned so that other people can grow within their lives. I feel like for the rest of my life, that's like the things I'm going to be making, right? Just stuff that help people like just create the, the life that they want for themselves because we all have the ability to do it. So yeah, it's really all about just connections and believing in yourself and like tuning into the, the higher power, you know, for the sake of your, the better life. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I definitely feel that from your work, man. Cause it's like watching express the entire time. I'm just like, Tariq, man, come on, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you, got, you got great friends. You got a beautiful woman who wants to be with you. Calm down, you know? It's like, <laughs> and when I'm actually sitting there saying that to the screen while I'm watching it, I know that oh, I'm really invested in this guy. So mm. I feel like the connection really comes from your work. I appreciate you saying that, man. Thank you so much. Thank you. You mentioned your mentor, Director X. Mm. How long have you been working with him and how did this uh, you know, mentor protege relationship come about. Oh, you got time, bro. I got time. I got time. Okay. <laughs> I was, I want to tell you from the beginning. So basically like I actually met him in 2019. I had just shot my first film called time and space. Me and my, my, when my, me and my friend, we did it. He wrote a poem and he's like, I want to make a visual. So we like, we made a short film about it. Yeah. It's a, I <laughs> loved it. Watched it. It's really good. Oh, I appreciate you, man. Thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> But yeah, that's the, so that's the first one that I made where I'm like, oh, like I'm a director. Like I call myself a director. So 2019, I was like, you're a director now. And I ended up being casted in a music video that Director X was shooting. Mm -hmm. So, and bro, funny, between you and me, like I didn't know who he was at that time. You know, yeah. I was like, oh, like, so I was on set and one of my friends like, oh, you know, Director X is shooting this. I'm like, Director X, like, who's that? You don't know Director X? He makes Drake music videos and da 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 I'm like, oh, he's a director. I'm gonna go talk to him then. So then I went up to him and I was like, Hey, X, like, I know you're, I'm also a young director trying to like, make it into this world. Do you mind watching my stuff? 
So I give it to him and he watched it. Like, I just thought, you know, people of that level, you assume they're going to, yeah, yeah, whatever, whatever. But like, I gave him my phone and he was literally, it's a five minute clip and he was watching it and he didn't get to finish it. Cause like the first AD was like, yo, like get back to work. It's time to go. You know, I was like, ah, oh, okay, whatever. And then later on he came up to me. He's like, oh, you have a really good eye. You have a really good eye. Keep up the good work, you know, keep, keep pushing. And I was like, oh man, I really appreciate you saying that. I love for you to be my mentor. You know, I would love to follow you around and just watch you and all that. And he's like, ah, keep hustling, kid. Like, it's good that you did that, but just keep hustling. You'll get there. You know, you go, you got me on Instagram, follow me on Instagram. We'll, we'll talk. We'll talk. And I was like, okay, cool, cool. You know, I get it. I respect it. So I followed him on Instagram. I messaged him that day and I'm like, oh, thank you so much for get, taking the time to like, you know, because on that whole set, I was staying behind him. I was supposed to work, but I got to just be behind him watching him, asking him questions and he'll be responding and talking to me. So I said, bro, thank you for taking the time. I really appreciate it. And I'm going to keep doing my thing and make sure that, you know, I'm worth your while. No response. A couple months go by. I see him at this event. Uh, I message him again. Hey, I just saw you at this event. You were amazing. I just want to say, like, I'm keep, I'm still hustling. Like, I'm going to get back to you. No response. Okay, cool. And then at that time, this is still 2019, around November, December, I was part of this program called Oya Media Group Emer Emerging Filmmakers. Okay. And he came to do a workshop. So he came up and then he was sitting down and he's kind of like, hey, I remember you. And I'm like, yeah, you know, we got a lot to talk about. He's like, well, I'm here. We'll talk. We'll talk. So he does the workshop. He's about to leave. I'm like, yo, X, like, listen, just check your DMs. I've been messaging you for a while. I sent you my stuff. Check your DMs. So yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Runs out. No response, bro. I'm like, oh my God, like, <laughs> what's going on? And then he posted, he posted a, a picture. So then I messaged them on the picture and I was like, hey, like, please remember what we talked about yesterday, Director X, like, you know, da, 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 da. And finally, he responded. He's like, okay, yo, here's my, my assistant's email. Message her. Say where you met me. We'll talk. We got into a Zoom link. I think at that time, I had shot my second film called Essence. So I showed it to him. And, you know, we started talking about it. He's like, oh, yeah, this is good. You should have done this. You should have done that. I'm like, okay, cool, cool, cool. Hey, X, like, I love for you to be a mentor. Ah, uh, keep hustling, kid. Like, you're, almost, you're doing the right thing. Keep hustling. We don't know. We don't know. And then that was, like, our relationship from, like, 2020 into 2022. I'll make something, I'll show him, he'll say, keep hustling, I'll be okay. I'll make something, I'll show him, keep hustling, okay. And then finally, 2022, I made It's You. And um, I showed it to, I, I sent it to a bunch of people because like, I just finished school, I'm ready to get into the, you know, the workplace, so I'm, show, I'm sending it to X. And he's like, oh, this is amazing, like, I want, I want you to come on set, come meet me on set, I'm going to be shooting a music video. Okay, cool, you know, so I'm like, I get ready, I'm all good. The day after my birthday, I go to set, he has COVID, so he's not even there. I'm like, wow, bro. But it's cool because I met another guy named Sean Harris who became like a big brother to me, like another mentor. So I really appreciate that. But uh, X wasn't there. So then I messaged him again. I'm like, yo, like you say we're going to talk. You know, me thinking that he's going back. Yeah, I joined the team. Like you finally did it. Same thing. He's like, ah, you know, fella, because I was trying to join fella, his production company. He's right. like, ah, fella, you know, it makes music video. You kind of do TV and film. Like we're not, that's not really what we do here. But keep hustling, kid. Like you're almost there. It's like, yo. This guy, for the past three years, all he says is keep hustling, keep hustling. He clearly doesn't care. And I promise you, I was done. I'm like, hey, you know what? I don't need him. I'm going to keep doing my own thing. And then now uh, January rolls around. I hear about Robin Hood, the show that he, he shot. And I messaged him. Like, oh, hey, X, I heard that, you know, you got the green for Robin Hood. You told me about that in 2019. Congratulations. I might be too young for you to help me direct, an, for you to let me direct an episode. But if I can help in any way, let me know. So, oh, yeah, kid, I'll get back to you. you no, know, hey, bro, I'll get back to you, whatever, whatever. All right, cool. I'm chilling. And then in April 2022, I get an interview for a showrunner assistant, right? So I do the interview, I get the job. And then from May until like March of this year, 
I've just been his assistant. We've just been working, you know, nonstop. I was everywhere with him. I became his personal driver. I was with him 24-7, you know, and I learned so much and I grew so much. And I think that's when he finally, like, well, I said, like, okay, he's my mentor. But I remember one time I posted the picture and I'm like, oh, director X, my mentor. And he reshared it. And I was like, oh! Yeah. <laughs> Indicated. Like, oh, there you know, go. Yeah. I did it. I did it. He believes in me. And from that moment on, we've just been like, that's my guy, you know? Like, I'll hit him up whenever I have questions. For this film, Express, he helped me with the script. I sent it to him. He's like, oh, try this, try that. And we just built a real connection where he trusts me and believes in me, you know? Yeah. Like, when he creates something... He'll ask for my opinion. Like, what do you think? And then when we're on set, he'll let me even direct sometimes, just like work on myself and like just grow in the, in the field. So I really do appreciate him. You know, I feel like he's the reason why I grew so fast in my field. Right. right. And a lot of people can see it in my, in my work, the way that I am on set and everything. And I have to like give thanks to him for sure. That's yeah. awesome. It's uh, near the end of August when we're recording this interview and uh, Fan Expo Canada is coming up and they're doing like a big, like, debut reveal of robin hood so i'm very exactly. excited to check it out there uh i know of course you can't say anything about what it's about like anything like that but being on set were you like blown away with the new take of uh, the story yo it's so refreshing man so i was a showrunner assistant yeah. right so director x is my boss but there was another showrunner called chris roberts he's a phenomenal writer like the way this guy would could write the scripts like they were impeccable and i feel like the one thing that X wanted to make sure that they stay to was the lore. So right. it's Robin Hood. It doesn't matter that it's a new generation or a new take on it. It's Robin Hood. So, you know, Prince John is still Prince John. Robin and the gang still make music and they stay true to the lore, you know, because mm -hmm. he's a, he calls himself a geek. Although it's a new take on it, it's still to its core Robin Hood, right? And which is one thing that I really do appreciate about it. And the new take on it is so refreshing because it's our lives. You know what I mean? Everything just makes sense to the things that we've seen today. Especially at this moment in time where the gap between the like, rich and the poor. Yeah, exactly. It's getting so much for, so much more bigger, right? Mm -hmm. The gap is so much more wider. And it's like for it to come out right now, it's so timely. I feel like a lot of people can really, really understand what it feels like, you know, to be living in a quote unquote poor neighborhood, you know, project and just on and, and looking at like the others, like the, from the, the other side of the river, right? How they're yeah. living, how they're taking things for granted and all those things. So I honestly think he did an amazing job and I'm excited for the world to see it for sure. Awesome. That's very cool. With Express, mm. this is the longest film you've made to date, correct? It is, yeah. And so with that, what were the challenges that you felt with this particular project? Going back to what you said, you know, I feel like three more minutes and it's a TV episode. So I was Pretty much, yeah. It's you know? like, it is like a pilot, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was basically there. and I. But it's funny, I feel like the biggest thing about it was just the timing because I shot it in three days. Yeah, 17 pages, we shot it in three days. So we were kind of like on go all the time. That I feel was like the hardest thing. But at the same time, I kind of enjoy being in, in the moments where you don't, you can't, you can't really breathe until it's over because you kind of, you're, you have to stay on go. You know what I mean? Yeah. So to me, it was just the same thing, like, which is another thing that I realized. I feel like being on Robin Hood and seeing the bigger scale, right? Like it kind of opened my mind to what a, a film set is like. So being on this wasn't that crazy to me because like I've seen I've seen bigger and I've seen smaller. It looks more intimidating, but it's really the same thing. The same thing that I was doing when I was doing four minute short films is the same thing that I did right now. Right. Except that I didn't have to do everything by myself now. Right. Right. I had my producer, Malachi Ellis. I had my VP that was shooting. Like I had people to like do the stuff to take care of the other things so I could just focus on my actors. The biggest thing was the timing that we had. But at the same time, I feel like it was a blessing because we we're kind of forced to like work 
within our limits to make the film, you know? So, yeah. That's awesome, man. Like, I know when it comes down to, like, shooting stuff, if you got the right crew, you guys can get in the trenches, get the work done. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And leave yeah. our satisfied. Leave, leave it satisfied, you know? So Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like you put it all out there, definitely. With that, though, now that you've made, you know, your longest short to date, as you said, almost a TV pilot, are there plans to make a feature film? Have you got a feature film in you? For sure. Yo, I got, listen, man, back to the hustling thing. You, you need to have the next thing on go all oh, the time. Of course, yeah. <laughs> I do have feature, a feature film idea in mind, but that's not what the most I'm the most excited about, actually. So I want to talk to you about another idea that I'm working on. Sure, yeah. And uh, it's a TV series, funny enough, you know? I feel like it's time to throw in, like, showrunner under the belt, too, you know what I'm saying? Just add more to the, add more to the hat. This TV series is called Conroy's uh, Render. And it's like, a li- I'm going to make a limited series, probably six, seven episodes, nothing crazy, an hour long, but it's going to be a redemption arc story. And uh, it follows uh, Conroy, obviously, who's like a type A control freak, you know, like he needs, he needs to do everything by himself, like to his liking, to himself, because he feels like he knows best, right? right? And basically what happens is that he dies in a car crash, right? So then in the afterlife, now he coerces the universe to giving him like three chances to go back in time and save himself, his pregnant wife, and his unborn child, Right. And that's really what the story is about. I feel like this story focuses more on like letting go, right? Let go and let God. That's like the message of the of that film itself about somebody that wants to do everything. They feel like you know best, but like you don't know more than the universe. You know, you don't know more right. than God. And I feel like that's like where I am in my in my life right now. And I'm very interested to like capture that and see where that goes, you know? But yeah, that's like the, the most exciting thing that I'm working on right now, for sure. Well, that's awesome, man. That sounds like it's going to be really good. I'm really looking forward to people getting to see Express. It's definitely the right story to be telling right now. It hits a nerve with a lot of people, I think. I think a lot of people are going to watch it and go like, yeah, no, I, I, I've I, been that or I've seen that, you know? Mm-hmm. So uh, I really look forward to people getting to check it out as part of the shorts program. Thank you so much for talking with me today, man. Oh, thank you for having me, man. This was amazing. And I thank you so much for your kind words, man. I really do appreciate it. I'm glad you enjoyed the film. Hey, man. No, I dig the energy of your stuff. Like, I really, like, I feel it when I watch it. So. Oh, that's love. That's love. We're only getting better, you know. All, all thanks to God, for sure. <laughs> all right. Well, I look forward to the next project, man. You have a great day. Thank you so much. God bless, man. Have a beautiful one. So that was my interview with Yvonne Diasa. Of course, Express is playing a part of the Shortcuts program at TIFF. So go to TIFF.net to check out uh, which, uh, which program you can check it out at. And uh should be some good times. We're going to take a commercial break. When we come back, we're going to be giving a TIFF review, a film we saw at TIFF, Death of a Whistleblower. It's happening right here. Picard, Radio Radio 101. you feeling how are you feeling now remember when you used to go to the comic shop and browse through the stacks picking up comic after comic talking to your fellow customers and the store owner about what books you should buy what kind of outside people daywalker nonsense are you talking about i don't go outside well thank goodness for back issue bloodbath with andrew young and patula neal when we talk about comics old and new, mostly old, but sometimes new, every Wednesday, new episodes drop at geekartshow.com or wherever you catch your pots. Check it out and have yourself a good.
Welcome back to Geek Hard right here on Reality Radio 101. And now, right back to your geeks, Andrew Young and Mr. Green. Welcome back to Geek Hard, Andrew Young and Mr. Green here. And we're just continuing on with our TIFF episode here uh, with our review of Death of a Whistleblower, directed by Ian Gabriel, written by Gabriel, Kelly Eve Koopman, Philip Roberts, Marius Scholes, and Louis Villon. Produced by Known Associates Entertainment, it's an official selection of the 2023 Toronto International Film Festival. And here to read the synopsis for the film is our good friend, the old man. Here's going. All going pretty good by you. Ah, it's going all right. You know, I uh, went down on Festival Street last week there and uh, met a couple of cool people. Didn't meet, didn't find either of you guys. I don't, you guys weren't there, were you? No, we've been there the whole time, man. Whole time. Uh, I don't know. I didn't see it there. You know, we're there right now, actually. Well, you know, I'm just saying. You know, I, if I don't see it, how do I know it's true? That's, you know, you well, you guys, you guys are like Schrodinger's geek card hosts, right? You say right. you're there, I say you're not. Who's to say who's right? Right? You know. Well, I, I say I'm right because I know I was there. Mm. And As I does say, Andrew. And I say I'm right. Yeah, no, I have to agree with Green here. But I, I say I'm right because I, I, I didn't see you. Well, you're entitled to your opinion, even though it's wrong. You're perception, entitled- perception is reality. Okay, Elon. I think reality is reality. But what is reality? Hey, you ever think about that? What if we're just like on like a little like leaf floating in the wind, huh? We're not, but full what story. If we, what if we're just a speck, man? You know. We are in the in the in the in the grand universe the scheme yeah. of the universe. And maybe the maybe the grand universe is like a tile on like a uh, a kitchen room floor. You ever think about that? Uh, I haven't, and I don't think I ever will again. Well, that's unfortunate, because you know, sometimes you sit back, you know, you think about these things, makes the world seem a lot bigger, makes uh, your place in it seem. All the less important. Some to yeah. ponder. Some to ponder. Investigative journalist Luinda Messina's life is thrown into shock when her one-night lover, renowned editor Stanley Galloway, is hijacked and killed in front of her in a busy Joburg street. But when it becomes clear that Stanley's death was engineered by unknown forces in high places, and Luyanda discovers that Stanley has been receiving explosive information from a secret military whistleblower, she realizes that the clue to his death may lie with the secrets the whistleblower is determined to reveal. After an initial class, Luanda and the whistleblower, Albert Lutz, join forces and must sacrifice everything their quest to expo- in their quest to expose state capture of South Africa's military assets by a corrupt group profiteering from the illicit trade in military hardware and chemical weaponry to rogue states across Africa. Oh, this is like some really intense shit, you know? This kind of reminds me of those like uh, political intrigue movies of the mid-90s. Yeah, no, that's kind of what it's like, yeah. Well, there you go. Well, I, I look forward to hearing your guys' review about it while I ponder. 
while you ponder. Yeah. While I ponder the significance of that review. Mm, okay, fair enough. All righty. Mary goes. There goes the old man. So Death of the Whistleblower. Playing as official TIFF selection, South African film. Your thoughts, Mr. Green, about Death of a Whistleblower? Uh, well, I was, uh, you know, as we discussed it, uh, bef- you know, before we, we saw it, uh, I was excited to see it when I learned that there was uh, some of the people that were involved in one of my uh, top films from last year, The Umbrella Man, were involved in this. And uh, I was like, yeah, all right, let's rock and roll. And because uh, I really love that film. I know you didn't get a chance to see it last year. Yeah, and, but yeah, uh, both films were produced by known associates. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I, I'm hopeful going in and uh, I totally different film, totally, totally different film, totally different vibe. Um, you know, the Umbrella Man last year is a like a heist film caper film you know with some comedy mixed in you know some More drama contained film yeah yeah it's it's much what it is and you know and it's uh well and it's definitely not as serious uh, a film as this is nor is the subject matter of that film as serious um as as what we see here and mm. uh um you know and i and i i didn't expect it to be laugh out loud you know especially when with the subject matter that you're going to be talking like that they they talk about you know like that they you know you see it in the description of it and it's it's not exactly what you would consider a uh, laugh out riot of a of a film subject by any stretch so uh you know but i still went in uh you know pretty optimistic and uh i gotta say man south africa is really starting to jump onto my radar more and more every year um because looking at this film it is very well shot and it just looks beautiful, like at all times. And I, 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 I know it sounds kind of like, why would you be shocked by this? You know, there's lots of great filmmakers all around the world. However, I'm just saying, I didn't know. I don't know much. I still don't know much about South African film, like, and like who are the big names down there and everything like that. So it's still a little bit, uh, you know, like takes me by surprise sometimes. Yeah, um, well, also, before the pandemic, I don't know so much now, before the pandemic, it was becoming a filming location that yeah. North American productions were shooting regularly in South Africa. Oh, and even in this film, you can see you can see why they would. It's much like going to Australia. There's a lot of um, locations on site that replicate a lot of North American cities. You know, so you can get away with that kind of, you know, uh, replacement theory. And uh, much like in the 70s and 80s, Toronto was New York City or Chicago or Boston, like, and still is, but to a lesser extent than it used to be. And um, so, yeah, so looking at that, I was like, uh, you know, I can, I could see, you know, to, to your point, I can see that. Um, but knowing now, like, that uh, they've got, a, you know, this kind of burgeoning, like I'm sure it's been there for a long time, obviously, but a, a, its own burgeoning film, uh, um, you know, um, what's the word like um, film scene, film. Thank community? you, thank you. Yeah, yeah, thank you. I was just, I'm like, I want, I'm like, where's that? What's that word? What is that word for what I want to say? The and word I, is scene. Ah, <laughs> oh, yes, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. Um. But no, it's 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 really cool to know to to learn this. It's, it's it's one of the reasons 
Uh, I was actually recently having a conversation about this uh, earlier today where I was talking to somebody I know about why I like going to TIFF, mm-hmm. right? And it's it's things like this. It's like going to see a movie that you wouldn't necessarily, if it was, even if it was showing in your local uh, theater, you may not go and see the film, right? You know, because it doesn't have the actors and actresses or directors or, you know, whatever, or the studio that you're familiar with. You know, and, and, and let's face facts, modern moviegoers are pretty conservative in their choices. And I don't mean that like on the political spectrum, I just mean they go with what they know. Hence, Hence every blockbuster that we've seen for the last like 40 years. Right. Right. There's always, me and you have talked about this multiple times. There's that kind of, there's always that grouping by whether it's five or 10 years, you'll see like. This film becomes a big thing, and then every film after, like uh, in 1999, Matrix comes out. Every action film for the next 15, 20 years has been trying to recapture the Matrix's special sauce without being overly that successful, whether you like the film or not. Or uh, Scream when it came out, you know, uh, redefined horror films for a long time. Mm -hmm. And uh, whether, again, whether you agree with that or not, right? so yeah, so watching this, like I, I was, I was like, yeah, I have to say this, I was just like really impressed with not only how it looks, uh, but the story itself is uh, super rich and deep, and you know, and obviously, as somebody again, I know my limits. I don't know much about South Africa than the few things I remember from history class, things we've learned in media or the news cycle. Um, so it's. I don't know, like, there's probably a lot here that I'm missing because I'm not familiar with all of the backstory, mm, right? Mm. You know, like, because there, I, I could, I felt like there was comments and um, so, certain uh, elements of subplots that were kind of being lost on me because I'm not, you know, uh, well-versed in the South African uh, experience of what has gone on there in the past hundred years with colonialism and then, you know, apartheid and then everything that has transpired since the, uh, the crumbling of apartheid and, and just like in North America, how some things never change. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Which is what this film also talks about. No the more t- things, more things change, the more they don't. Yeah, exactly. And that, like, that's the whole Luanda's characters. Uh, the Luanda character is trying to show that trying to mm-hmm. show, bring the corruption out into the light. And that ends up making her a target. And what I have to say about this film is that it did a great job of delivering the intensity the entire time. This film mm-hmm. is intense. And like, cause there's a lot of, there's, I, you know, I, the old man talked about the political intrigue films of the nineties. Those were relatively tame compared to this. This does a good job of making you feel that intensity, like the, the murder that happens in this is visceral. Like it's like, mm-hmm. it's in there. It's like, they don't shy away from anything. And because of that, the characters are, you know, like you feel for them. And even like, there are moments like some, some of the violence that happens is so quick. Like, just like it would be mm-hmm. in real life. Like there's yeah. that one throat slit scene. Yes. It's yes, like, yes. it feels like it comes out of nowhere, even though, you know, it's going to, you can tell, well, this could definitely happen, but yeah. it's shocking. And because of that, the entire time you're on the edge of your seat, you're like, you're really invested in like 
they do a great job of keeping that intensity and giving out a lot of exposition. And because of that intensity, the exposition never feels like, okay, you're weighing it down with exposition now, you know? Well, to your point, I think one of the benefits of the film is because of the way it's framed as a uh, journalist investigating the issue, yeah. we get some of that exposition in a more natural way. Like as yeah. you're investigating the story, like we're, and we're being dragged along with that. And I think that's one of the reasons why films like this, you know, when you go back to things like all the president's men, you know, back in the day or, um, uh, you know, some of the more modern films, uh, like you're mentioning in the nineties that mm, were kind of Pelican capitalized brief, things like that. Yeah. yeah. You kind of, um, you can see how the way that it's being framed really helps tell the story. I think these films do fail is when they just try to make it a paint by numbers action film. Right. And, you know, or, or an intrigue film. And it's like, well, that's not really intriguing. If you're just sitting there stopping every, you know, five minutes to tell me the next bit of, you know, 20 lines of dialogue that are integral to understand the story. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, there's a lot of show not tell in here, which yeah. I also really appreciated. Um, and uh, yeah, no, I just, I, I, I really... I was really enjoying this. It's it's not like I said, and I and I'm I'm not trying to compare it to the Umbrella Men or any other film uh in this regard. It's just, you know, it was like it because you know, obviously it's like I already mentioned, it's heavy material. The where it where it goes and what's causing the uh the propulsion of the story is not a pleasant subject by any stretch. And back to your point, I would put this at probably like one to maybe two levels down from like a uh an after dark or a midnight madness type film okay you know like i could see like it's pretty close to being like what i would consider moving into that genre okay. uh you know you know because it's because some of the violence is there and it like as you put it it's visceral it ha you know you get to see it um not that i want to see it clearly that's yeah. uh because I'm not a I'm not a psychopath or a sociopath or whatever path you want to talk about. Because um, I always get them confused every time I go to talk about them, and I don't, I'm not going to go down that path. There's a lot of paths going on here. I might, and I've already been, gotten lost. So let me find my uh, my uh... your bearings. Nope, that good, but not that wasn't it. It's the uh, the other thing with the little spinny thing. Your compass. compass. Yes, yes, my compass. <laughs> Dear God, what the hell? It's, we got to get you like a, a thesaurus and B, some sleep, apparently. Jeez. Oh, yeah, I know, man. This festival's killing me. It's killing me. It's, uh, ooh, yeah, I, I, I've been working it. I was working it out going into this that uh, I was uh, at best looking at about uh, five to six hours a day. Which, as you know, for sleep, as you know, is not good for me. So mm. I only got a few more days to go, and then this will be over. And then I can rest for a year. I can hibernate. There It'll you be good. Go. It'll be good. But no, um, yeah, I really like this film. Again, and again, it proves that why we go to festivals, why festivals are important, why um, going to something like this where you get an opportunity to see films that, like, as I mentioned right off the top, that we're not going to see every day. You know, because I don't, I wouldn't expect to see this in a local theater, unfortunately. Yeah. And I think, I think films like this, like 
previously Umbrella Men, a lot of the films that are at TIFF right now that won't ever see the inside of a theater in North America is unfair because a, the, a lot of these films are so worth seeing, like regardless of your preconceived notions and yeah. death of a whistleblower c- continues to prove that. Yeah, no, I think it's a strong film. I think mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, like, again, the subject matter is very, uh, I guess very dark, you know, going into things like chemical weaponry testing on, uh, on people like, that sort of stuff, of course, the apartheid situation and the, the racism that still exists, all that stuff is there. But I really feel like on top of this, they did a really good job of just, uh, and it has to come down to the performances by uh, Nazolo and uh, Irshad that uh, like Luanda and Albert Lutz, you want to know, like you're compelled to see what happens to them. Like you want to see their story. You want to hope they, you want, you hope they get out of the situation, you know? Mm-hmm. And like these two, both characters are very compelling, especially since, you know, like Luanda is trying to uncover the story. So she's putting herself deeper in, further in, whereas Albert originally is trying to get out as much as he can, even though he was the whistleblower, he's trying to, Mm-hmm. You know, he's trying to hide. He's trying to, he's almost trying to deny what will happen next. And that kind of like juxtaposition of the two characters made it like so compelling. Well, I think that, that uh, I, I totally agree. I, and I think part of that is, is when you see where the film ends up, mm-hmm. um, you can see both in both cases, the characters, their trajectory to get to that point. Yeah. Um, about their like their vision of that point. Right. You know, like Albert's is a different, definitely a different vision of the end of this story than compared to Luenda's. Um, and it's interesting because I, it's not something that you would, like, again, you would see in a typical Hollywood film, you know, cause I get, and well, on top of that, the, this particular subject matter, is not exactly something that's going to be, you know, uh talked a lot about in the halls inside of Warner Brothers or Paramount or any of those places. This no, is no. this is a little a little too real for them. Right, right. No, I hear you. But yeah, I think it's definitely a compelling film. If you get a chance to see it, definitely watch it. Um although unless you're someone who is easily, you know, like you have a a, a hard reaction to visceral violence, you might not be able to handle this film. Yeah, or if you are sensitive towards uh, apartheid and some of the uh, things that have happened in South Africa over the years, right. this might this might bring up some some you know serious uh, uh, memories and and feelings that uh, not everybody's going to be willing to want to go through a second time. For example, right? Of course, of course. But yeah, it's uh, it's an independent feature. I'm I'm hoping it gets a good release in South Africa and. Hopefully it will make its way back to our shores after this as well. Yeah, absolutely. Should be guys be checking it out. There you go. So we're going to take a commercial break. When we come back, you're going to hear my interview with James Michael Chang right here. Geek Hard, Reality Radio 101.
Want to advertise on Geekard and be heard by thousands of listeners? It's easy. It's simple. It's fun. Email us at geekardshow at gmail.com for information on our advertising packages today. Welcome back to Geek Hard right here on Reality Radio 101. And now, right back to your geeks, Andrew Young and Mr. Green. We're back here, Geek Hard. It's the last segment of the night, Green. We're we're wrapping up. To, we just only got a couple of days left at TIFF. Yeah. just uh, We just got to survive, you know, another, uh, like, I don't know, what is that, uh, 48 hours roughly? And we can, then we're, we're done. Pretty much, yeah. And next For another week- year. Another year, exactly, but it won't be all the way done because next week we'll oh, yeah. be back live on the show. You'll be able to send in your emails, tell us what you thought of TIFF, and we'll be giving our full wrap-up of the films we saw there. So that, that'll be a good time. So stay tuned for that for our big TIFF wrap-up. But right now we're going to play our last interview of the evening. I got a chance to talk with filmmaker James Michael Chang, an amazing filmmaker that if you, you know, if you see some commercials and stuff, there's a good chance he directed them. He's directed some amazing commercials and worked with some big, big name clients. But uh, this is his first short film and it is debuting at TIFF. Shan Shan Ali. Let's take a listen to that interview right now. Welcome to the program, James Michael Chang. Hello. Hey, how's it going today? It's going well. That's good. That's good. So you've got your first narrative short debuting at TIFF. How excited are you? I still can't believe it. Like when I got the invitation to the festival, I was like super excited. I was like going to Hollywood. I made it. And then the next day I woke up and I was like, wait, was that a dream? I like <laughs> refreshed my email. I was like, wait, was that real? So I still like, I can't believe it. I, I, I'm really excited. I mean, TIFF was like the goal during this whole process. So it feels good to have that goal come to life. That's awesome. Yeah. So the film is Shusha Ali. You shot this with your, your brother, Oliver, for people who haven't heard about the film, what's it all about? Well, the film is inspired by moments in my own life. It's about a half Chinese and half uh, white character uh, played by my brother, Oliver, who just feels like sort of disconnected with his Chinese culture. So, as a way into the culture, he decides to learn Mandarin to give a toast to his grandma at her birthday lunch in front of all of his Chinese relatives. With the film, like, uh, is this something that both you and your brother have been kind of dealing with your entire life? Yeah, totally. Like being mixed people growing up, they always think like, well, at least for me and my brother, they're like, are you Hawaiian? Are you Spanish? Or, like, where are you mm-hmm. from? Like, it's always like, hey, nice to meet you. What, who are you? It's always been like kind of that, like they wanted to know what your background is. And, you know, we grew up in the suburbs of, of Ontario. So we just thought we were regular, regular people, but it's kind of like that just cultural identity has kind of been at the forefront kind of throughout our entire lives. And I think when you grow up with, with that, it's almost like white noise. And why I kind of wrote the film was because I've got my start as a commercial director. So I work 
primarily in commercials, but now I'm trying to get more into narrative stuff. And during COVID, all of the BLM protests were like a really big spark, at least in the commercial world and probably even narrative world, to find BIPOC creators and put them on these lists to kind of get more voices to different, you know, scripts and, and work. And I was asked to be put on these lists and I didn't really feel like I belonged there. I kind of felt like, well, I'm only half. So like, I don't know if I, if that's really my lane. And then some of my Asian friends were like, dude, your last name's Chang. Obviously you can be, like, you're part of this. So that's when the light bulb went off and I was like, oh, I have a voice here. I have something kind of interesting to say. I think, you know, being from Canada, a lot of people are mixed. And I think it's not just like a half Chinese, half white story. I think a lot of people can relate to, to just like the, the melting pot of, of what Canada and the world kind of will be as we move forward. What I found most interesting was the character's experience in the space of being Chinese and how his full Chinese relatives, how they react to it and how certain instances in it, like the way that they speak to him, of course, the final shot of the film, there are things that it's like, oh, I, I didn't even think about the other side of someone's biracial experience. It was really interesting to see that element brought to light. Now, that exact experience has something similar to that happened to you at family gatherings? I grew up in Cantonese lessons as like a 10 year old. Mm. My, my white mom put me in those lessons and it was like Saturday school. So she kind of really wanted me to learn the language to kind of be more involved with the culture, but it just went over. I was too old for it. I didn't really kind of grasp it. So I've always sort of felt with my family, like, you don't really kind of fit in, don't really belong. Like even ordering food when I go to visit my relatives, they're all speaking either Cantonese or Mandarin. And it kind of just feels like you're kind of an outsider, especially in the Asian culture too. It's like, it's like a lot of my relatives are accountants or doctors or like you know, they, they're professors at Harvard. And I'm just like this artsy, <laughs> artsy guy. So it's like professionally and also culturally, there's like this sort of like disconnect within the whole landscape <laughs> right right well i felt like the final shot of the film really hits at home and i think people are gonna get that kind of feeling right from that shot which i i thought was really well done so you mentioned that uh you've been a commercial director before this and you've worked with a ton of big clients like a lot of the commercials that you've done when i check them out i'm like oh yeah i've seen these either before i saw a film or on tv or whatever these are like big brands but the thing I noticed that your style does such a good job of taking even the commercials and making them feel like mini movies that uh, like, I really feel for the characters within that. So when you were working with all these big name clients, was, was that something that would, your pitch was always about, we got to focus on the person? Yeah. Like I think a lot of my work kind of revolved around uh, people and identity. And I, I went to school for photography. So like what really interests me kind of growing up was like, portrait photography and that kind of thing so I've always been kind of interested in like the person or like what they're dealing with or what they're doing so I've I think like subconsciously that kind of has kind of leaked into my commercial maybe I don't know it's kind of both kind of came up at the same time so I think I just I'm interested in sort of like people and identity and I think that's really just like seeing people's different stories I think is really kind of cool I'm I'm a big people watcher too so I think that's kind of 
what it really comes down to. <laughs> right, right. Well, that's the thing. Yeah, the way you capture people is very unique. That's the thing that I've noticed is that you don't do like a come on, but you still kind of give a very intimate visual, a very intimate presentation of each person, which is very, very appealing and compelling. And I'm looking forward to see you bring that into more of your work. Are there plans after Shensha Ali for doing a like a longer film? I, I want to do like a sort of a TV series. So I'm kind of writing for a longer form thing, which I'm, I'm still deciding if it's TV or if it's feature, but that is the goal. Like I think my career trajectory has been kind of really interesting because I started out, I didn't go to film school. I went to school for photography. So I learned the single image mm. and then I graduated from that and did like, you know, 30 second commercials. And then from that, I did like a nine minute film, which the nine minute film felt like a nine year series to me compared to, <laughs> compared to a 30 second commercial. So then I think like the next progression obviously is going to be like either a feature or some sort of like TV series um, that I'm quietly working on in the background. Wow. Well, no, that's, that's very cool. Now, of course, this film you shot about a year ago, right? It was at the beginning of August. Yeah. I actually shot this film. Uh, we shot two days in August. One of the days actually ended up being August 8th, which is a, a lucky number in Chinese. Oh, there you go. <laughs> that's yeah. good. Well, it seems like the, the luck is going your way. You're in TIFF. So from the, because again, we're recording this before TIFF. What hopes do you have? Like what experience do you hope to have from this? From being in the festival? For being at the festival, yeah. So I wrote this film to sort of like get my foot in the door with like the narrative work. And I just want to be able to meet some people, like meet a lot of people and sort of like start to, to, to a, you know, have those conversations with these kind of more narrative based people. I've done a lot of work in the commercial space. So I'm really looking forward to just meeting like minded people that, that make films for. For the sake of making film, not for right. You know, for the sake of <laughs> a brand. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Oh my god, selling emotions instead of products. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. That's good. That's <laughs> good. Well, I really hope that uh, you get uh, a, a great experience there. Of course, TIFF, as you know, tons of amazing filmmakers go through there every year. I really hope that uh, you get the connections and the experience that you need from it, man, because. This film is simplistic in its message, but because it's so relatable, you know, it's very compelling. And I, I can't wait to see you work on something where you get to play more with those emotions on screen. Yeah, thank you. So the film's playing at TIFF as part of the uh, the Shortcuts program. People definitely check it out. Go to uh, TIFF.net for more information. Thank you so much for talking with me today, James. Yeah, thanks, Andrew. It's been a pleasure. All right. Have yourself a great day. So that was my interview with James Michael Chang. Of course, you can check out Shen Shen Ali as part of the Shortcuts program at TIFF. I believe there is one screening still left, so go to TIFF.net and take a look and find out. Ms. Green, we've come to the end of the episode. Yes, we have indeed. Yes, we have indeed. And so that means that you tell the good folks where they can find us. As always, if you like what we do here and want to find additional content, check out patreon.com slash geekart. For everybody who participates in that right now, we thank you guys ever so much. You guys are fantastic. You're super helpful to keeping this show on every week. For those of you who don't, that's super cool. We get it. We understand. But we love you still. But it would be super cool if you joined us. 
Additional content always available through YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest. Yes, even Pinterest. Search Geek Art Show on any of those platforms. You'll find us there. And also our website, geekartshow.com, for more news, reviews, and the podcast version of this very show, available on Mondays after 2 p.m. But of course, if you didn't listen to us on the show tonight, or you're super forgetful like I am, you know what you can do, right, Andrew? You can subscribe to us on your podcasting platform of choice, be it the iTunes, the Apple Podcast, the Google Podcast, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, wherever you catch your pods. And while you're there, leave a five-star rating and review, because you know you want to. Absolutely. And if you want to continue the conversation with us, email us, geekartshow at gmail.com. I want to thank Yvonne Diosa and James Michael Chang for coming on the program. For Yvonne Diosa, for Express, for the Shortcuts program at TIFF, for TIFF, for Death of a Whistleblower, for James Michael Chang, for Shang Shang Ali, for Mr. Green, and for Yuri in the booth, this is Andrew Young saying, if you're going to geek out, you might as well geek hard on Reality Radio 101. Thank you for listening to Geek Hard right here with your hosts, Andrew Young and Mr. Green on Reality Radio 101.